Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. And so we are going to jump in the word this morning. I do want to encourage you today um, that there's much that God is doing. You may or may not see it, but there's a lot that God really is doing in all of our lives today. And uh, as we think about the Easter, the uh, Resurrection Sunday story, many of us know it. If you don't know the resurrection story, um, I'll give you it in a brief summary. But really, if I go back 2,000 years ago, and I really believe God's given me a word for us this morning. I really do. And if I look back 2,000 years ago um, and see where we were to where we are now. 2,000 years ago, the people of Israel, the people that said that God was their God, had walked away from God. There was great rebellion. There was great sin. If you read the book of Malachi, you'll see that God was not happy with his people and and the people of God were doing whatever they wanted to do. It was a terrible place. It was a terrible state that the people of God were in. And it looked like the enemy was winning, but God had a plan. And God's plan was for Jesus. And Jesus was sent. Jesus as God's son. Jesus was sinless. He knew no sin, the Bible said, and he walked amongst this earth healing and setting people free and delivering and bringing redemption to those who were lost. And what happened was they arrested Jesus, they beat him, and they crucified him. But three days later, he rose from the dead, making him the only God to ever rise from the dead. There's no other God that has ever risen from the dead, but Jesus rode from the dead, making him the only God. You go look it up at all these other gods. They're all dead, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is well. Our God is alive. And I want to talk this morning about being alive and alive in Christ. And what does that look like? And what does God want to do within us? I want to take a look at this story in the Gospels. And it's the resurrection story. It's my favorite story in the Gospels of Jesus' resurrection. But I want to take a look at it through the lens of the disciples. And when you look at the Gospels through the lens of the disciples, there's some parallels to what's going on in many of our lives even now. And as you see what's going on with the disciples, the disciples recognized Jesus. They recognized that this man was different than any other man who walked this earth. The disciples recognized that there was something about this man that went about doing good, healing those that were sick, raising the dead, saving the lost. Jesus was unique. Jesus was doing stuff nobody else could do. And they had a revelation that he was the Messiah. And they loved Jesus. They followed Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They went where Jesus went. They loved serving Jesus. Jesus was everything to them. They they walked away from jobs and careers to serve Jesus. But they were a little confused because they were hoping that this revolution would have Jesus become the king of Israel. They wanted Jesus to be the king of Israel. Jesus was not interested in politics. Jesus was not a politician. Jesus was a savior. And Jesus was not coming to be the king of Israel. He was coming to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he was coming to establish his kingdom. There's no kingdom that can compare to the kingdom of Christ. And so they didn't understand. And these disciples, as they were walking this earth with Jesus, they were getting excited because they're like, Who could beat this man? This man could take over Israel. This man could easily be the next king. There's nobody that could take him. There's nobody that could be, he could easily take over. They were excited. In fact, they were so excited, we read in the text, they began to discuss amongst each other and even fight amongst each other who was going to sit where in his cabinet. Who is going to sit where? You sit in the left, you sit on the right, you're going to sit here, I'm going to be there. Who's the greatest? They were so excited they could see the future. And they saw the future and like, this is going to be great. Now where's your peace going to be? What are you going to be doing? And they saw themselves in Jesus' cabinet 
being great in God's in Jesus' cabinet, not realizing Jesus had other plans. The way we do things and the way God does things are different. There's times that I've asked God to do something one way and God picks another way. I don't always understand the ways of God, but his ways are far above my ways. His understanding. And so when Jesus was in that garden and he said, I want you guys to pray. We, they had just eaten together, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's saying, I want you to pray. He could feel the weight, he could feel the shift taking place. And while he's there, they came and arrested Jesus. And they arrest him and took him. And Jesus was no longer, you know, if Jesus wanted to, Jesus could have just called down the angels of God and said, you know, get these guys out of here. They tried to capture Jesus before that, but they could never get him. But this time they did. The disciples were confused. How did they get Jesus? He was mocked. He was laughed at. He was misunderstood. They spat on him. And then they ultimately crucified him. The disciples were confused. The disciples were in a crisis. The disciples were overwhelmed. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to think. Look, look what it says here in Mark chapter 14. I'm going to spend some time in here a little bit. Mark 14, verse 50. And it says, and then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. All these guys... He had healed their families. He had saved their souls. He had turned them around. He had brought healing and deliverance and relief to them, raised the dead. All the things Jesus did, and in one moment, they all left him. In one moment, they all walked away from Jesus, except for, it says, Peter and John. They followed Jesus to the courtyard, but then shortly after, we know Peter fell off the wagon, too. He fell off the cliff, too. And so we see John was the only one left standing. All of these guys, they were so excited to be with Jesus. Every miracle, every healing, everything that he had done, how exciting. But as soon as they started to cancel him, as soon as they started to call him names, as soon as they started to say, well, Jesus, this, maybe he is a criminal. Maybe they got afraid for their life. They got afraid for their family's lives. They got afraid. Fear entered in, torment entered in, anxiety entered in. They all disappeared. Jesus was good when the, when the getting was good. But when times got tough, they all disappeared. They're like, well, yeah, that was a good run. But uh, I don't know what's going on with this brother. I don't know if he's going to make it or not make it. I don't know about the future. I don't know about us. I don't know what's going to happen. And then at his crucifixion, there's Jesus up on the cross. And the only ones that were left standing next to Jesus was John, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, Jesus' sister, Mary Magdalene, all the Marys were sitting there, and John. And there they were, John, Mary, Mary, Mary. They were all there with Jesus. Everybody else had deserted him, it says right in the word, left him. They didn't know, they were in crisis. You know, I'd love to think that I'd know what I'd do. But I don't know what I'd do either. None of us know what you do. You know, we know the end of the story, so we'd say, yeah, I would have stayed with him. Really? Would you have stayed with you? Would you have been, the, would you have been John? Or would you have been... All the others that took off. We all would like to think we would have stayed with Jesus. But let's just back this up a touch into the last 12 months. It's not like Jesus was taken from us. But with everything else going on in the last 12 months with COVID, with the social injustice, with all that's going on with the elections, how many people did, got full of anxiety and full of fear and full of torment and got depressed and got overwhelmed? How many people allowed the enemy to speak into their lives? Christians. It's not like Jesus, Jesus was still with us, yet 
many Christians fell apart in the last 12 months. Many believers fell apart. They don't want to admit it, but they did. And it was real. And it is real. And the enemy is real. He attacks us. And we come under attack and anxiety and torment and depression and suicide, increase of drugs, increase of alcohol, abuse and violence and divorce and people willing to give up on friendships and relationships. The cancel culture was in full effect. People being bullied and mean, being treated mean on social media. It was, I'm talking Christians. Christians were doing these things. People walked away from God. People walked away from church. Oh, the first few months of church, a lot of people went online, but that quickly plummeted. Not even close to the same amount of people online that were online a year ago Christmas. It dropped off significantly. People walked away. People walked away from God. People walked away from church. In fact, there was a Gallup poll that was just recently done. And it's the lowest church attendance. This is the first time since the 1930s that this number dropped below 50%. 47%, and that includes church, synagogues, and mosques. To compare it to its high point, the high point was in the 90s. 70%. So from the 90s, 20 years later to today, there was a drop of over 20%. People saying, yeah, I don't need all that. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I don't need to be involved. See, Jesus said, guys, let me just tell you what's going to happen. He said, um, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again three days later. He told them what was going to happen, but they didn't understand. And so what happened? Jesus died. What happened? He rose again three days later. But they didn't understand what was going on. Three days later, the women went to his tomb. The women went to check on him, went to pour out to, uh, upon him and to do some things at the tomb. If you will, go to Matthew 28 with me. And I want to jump into our story now. I just kind of wanted to set the, the groundwork for where I'm going today. Matthew 28. So the women are at the tomb. They want to know what's going on with Jesus. They believed he was dead. Then the angel spoke to the women, verse 5 of Matthew 28. And the angel that was standing in front of the tomb, who had rolled away the stone said, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. And then the angel said, come and see where he was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see Jesus there. Remember what I told you. So the women quickly ran from the tomb. They were frightened, confused. They didn't know what was going on, but also filled with joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them, verse 9, and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So they have this big crisis. Jesus is dead. And they're in shock. Three days later, Jesus is alive, and they're in shock. They, they, they were just in shock. I, I don't know what else to say. They didn't believe he was dead. They didn't believe he was alive. But Jesus said some things here that I think are important. And I want to kind of labor on them for a moment. Jesus said, I want you to go and tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. I want you to get them together. I want them to see me in person. 
See, what happens is the enemy wants to keep you confused, afraid, full of fear, full of anxiety, hopeless, discouraged, depressed, overwhelmed. The enemy is planning to take you out. Remember when he said to Peter just before this all happened, he said to Peter in Luke 22, and he's talking to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan is coming to take you out. Satan is coming to sift you. The word sift means make you alone, separate you, destroy you. Satan wants to kill you. Satan wants to take you out and he's asked for you. But I am praying for you. Peter, I am praying for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have repented and turned to me again, go strengthen your brothers. Let's, let's hear this again. So Jesus says to Simon Peter, before this all happens, listen, here's what's going to happen. The enemy's going to try to destroy you. The enemy's going to try to kill you. He wants to kill you, kill your family. He wants to take you out. He wants you to disconnect from me. He wants you to disconnect from your brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants to get you alone. Because if he can sift you and get you alone, he can destroy you. If he can get you to try to get into a place of depression or discouragement or feeling as though you don't know what's going to come next, he can destroy you. He can take you out. But he says, I want you to know while you're going through all that, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. It's not your prayers are being lifted up. I'm praying for you that your faith will not fail. It may struggle. It may go down for a moment. You may actually deny me two or three times, but there'll come a point when you will have an opportunity to return to me. And when you do, repent and turn back to me. And when you turn back to me, then I want you to go and minister and strengthen others who need to be strengthened. Jesus was laying this out. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be lonely. It's not good for you to be separated. It's not good. And I'm grateful right now because when I, I think of all that we have in 2021, all the technology, even though for months and for many of us, maybe we were in our homes but we still were able to talk on the phone or we were able to get online and, and, and see online services like some are today or on Zoom or FaceTime. Thank God for technology. They didn't have that back then. But thank God for technology. But there's something about getting around other believers that strengthens you. It's something we all need other believers. We all need people in our lives. The enemy wants to keep us separate. But there's something about an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the encouragement of my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the three things we all need. We need to have an encounter with Christ. We need to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And we need to have the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why many struggle. This is why many fall away. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. So while Jesus was talking to the disciples, he had met with them a few times. Some of them struggled. Some of them finally believed. But they were all having a crisis. I would even argue a mental health crisis. They were struggling. Even Thomas goes, I, I'm not going to believe unless I see, I can touch him. They were struggling. Peter was struggling. How is the man that you said you would die for, you are now lying about just a few minutes later in the courtyard? There was a real struggle. Just like the last 12 months and even beyond for many of us, have been a real struggle. But they had this encounter and Jesus said to them, listen, not only do you need me, not only do you need your brothers and sisters in Christ, you need the Holy Spirit. 
Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, see, this, these disciples wouldn't have been anything without all three. If the end of the story was Jesus' crucifixion, there's no Mark, Luke, John. There's no James. There's none of, you, nobody knows these guys. They're, they're walking with Christ before the crucifixion. They didn't do squat. They didn't do nothing. They, they walked with Christ. They fellowshiped with Christ. They knew Christ. But it wasn't until they had the Holy Spirit encounter, that third piece, that they finally did something for God. We all need that encounter with Christ and with the Holy Spirit and with each other. And here they are in Acts 2. They had received the Holy Spirit. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And look how much they changed. They went from crisis to victory, from defeat to victory. Look what happened in verse 40. Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a few days earlier, he had just told people that he was not going to, he wasn't following Christ. Now he's preaching for Christ. Within two months, here he is preaching for Christ. In verse 40, Acts 2, verse 40. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. It sound like our generation right now? Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, 3,000 in all. All the believers, now listen to what they had to do. Listen to what the church is supposed to look like. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. See what they did? Devoted themselves to the word of God, to teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. This was about an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and the fellowship of one another. You need me and I need you. We need each other. And one of the things that the enemy did that messed up people the worst is he took people away from each other these last 12 months. People died of broken hearts, of loneliness, of depression, of discouragement. The enemy came in and destroyed relationships. Christians that have been friends for years. Destroyed. Cancel culture was in full effect. Still is. I just don't care. But it still is. People have been canceling me for years. It doesn't matter to me anymore. But to some people, it matters. Oh, they unfollowed me. Oh, they didn't like something I posted. Oh, I only got 10 likes. I'm used to getting 100. I don't know who I am anymore. What is wrong with you? Why, why does that matter to you? And here we are. Jesus, the revolution was not about Jesus becoming the king of Israel. The revolution was about Jesus becoming the center of everyday life. We need Jesus every single day. We need the Holy Spirit every single day. And we need each other every single day. When I read Acts, they needed each other. When I look at the scriptures, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says it this way. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us think of ways to motivate each other. 
How can we encourage? How can I encourage my brother? Do I need to pick up the phone? Do I need to shoot him a text? Do I need to go and visit them at their house? Do I need to go and, and meet with them? Am I, do, do I need to join a small group? Do I need to get involved in serving? What do I need to do to get my brothers and sisters around me? Because fellowship brings hope, brings encouragement, it brings strength, it brings growth. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. You need me and I need you. And we need, you know, one of the things that was really lost this year was personal touch. You know, it's amazing. You go to touch somebody and they jump. Like somehow COVID's going to jump on them by just a, a touch. Like, you just touch me, I'm going to die. And they jump. And, and it's real. It's a real fear. And they really do jump. And they're really afraid. And COVID's real. I'm not, I'm not here to discuss that. I'm here to say the spirits that come along with this stuff are real. And fear is a real spirit. It really will paralyze you. And you'll realize that the things that you are used to, you don't have. You know, some people, they genuinely need just a good hug. Just somebody cares about me. Somebody loves me. And I'm not saying anything perverted or weird. I'm saying genuine. Something just, hey, I love you, man. Hey, I'm praying for you. Sometimes that gets you through the week. But that was ripped out from so many people this year. So many people don't have that and they're afraid of that. We need each other. It's no wonder suicides are up, depression's up, drug and alcohol sales are through the roof. It's no wonder. There was a song that uh, I was reminded of this morning with uh, when my kids were little, there was a TV show that they would watch. And it's, it's not a very spiritual TV show. And the name of the character was Barney. He was a purple dinosaur, which is so realistic. And he had his theme song there we go. Dwayne's already started it. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love? See, you all know it. And, but there was, I actually sang Barney on Easter Sunday. This is something's wrong. But there's something about that song that makes you feel good. Because the truth is, I do need you. And the truth is, we do need to love one another however we can do it. Like I said, whether it's online or in person, we need each other. But I watched so many people fall away from online. You know, online was awesome 12 months ago. And now it's kind of like, eh, for a lot of people. A lot of people just walked away. Now, I know there's a lot that are watching today, but a lot of people walked away. And when they walked away, they walked away from fellowship. Social media, the social media was a place where people would go, but they got tired of being attacked. A lot of people got off of social media, myself being one of them. For the most part, I'm off social media because I just got tired of being attacked. I'm just like, yeah, I don't need this. And so I don't care, but I don't need it. Why, why put myself to say something nice and then get attacked. And that's what social media's become. And so there comes a place where you feel alone. As I thought about this year, I looked around the world. I looked at India, Asia, Africa, different parts of the world where people would gather amidst great persecution. People were killed for gathering. People were put in jail for gathering. People's families were torn apart for being together. And the fear had to be strong. But there's something about gathering that is life-giving. 
And they would gather in small groups. They'd gather in whatever ways they could. They have underground. There's underground churches all through China. Why? Because they need each other. It's not like you can't read the Bible at home. But you need each other. And China, actually, there's a lack of the Bible. They need the word. And they go to church for the word as well. But there's that need for each other. There's that need for encouragement. There's that need for strengthening. And they put their lives on the line. Last year, as we struggled through the year, we reopened our church. And one of the reasons we reopened, and I, and I knew we were misunderstood, and it was okay, but we reopened because we knew people were struggling. People were hurting. People needed fellowship. People needed the presence of God. People needed encouragement. And even though the risks were there, the, the need was greater. And then when we had to close again in November, and my wife was so sick and in the hospital, and so many people in our church were in the hospital, and people passed away. I mean, my inside, I'm like, we don't have to open anymore. And maybe we'll just stay closed. And I respect those who have to make that decision because it's a hard decision. But the truth is, all I kept thinking about was the people who needed the fellowship, who needed God's presence. And I said, you know, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. We need fellowship. We need each other. We need the presence of God. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we need the presence of one another. Some way, somehow, we've got to have those things in our lives. And it was not easy. And it's still not. And I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know what. I'd like to say it's going to go and everything's going to be great and we're not going to have challenges. But looking at it, I don't know what the future's going to hold. But I do know this. We're going to need each other more than ever before. You're going to need your brothers and sisters you're going to need one another. It's going to be critical. I remember when we were sitting with a staff, our staff in January, beginning of January, end of December, and we were sitting together, we were talking. We're like, we have to open. We have to reopen. People need church. Tech teams, ushers, children's ministry, platform ministry, worship team. It was hard. But the driving force was... God, what do you want? Underneath that was people need people. We need one another. I want you to do me a favor, if you would, pull out your phones. I know I never say that. But pull out your phones, if you would. And on your phones, there's a survey. I want you to put up the phone number. You can do the phone number as well. You can text survey to this number. 585-440-5775. There's a survey, or you can go on the app and you'll say survey. I want you to take a minute, and I want you to fill this out. I'm asking about four quick questions. You can literally fill it out in 30 seconds. It's quick. But the questions ask this. Am I, rather, am I regularly gathering with believers online or in person? Either one. Am I gathering with people? Or am I not gathering people? When was the last time you had fellowship with other believers? When was the last time you had people praying with you? Whether it was by phone, whether it was by Zoom, whether it was in person. And then the next question says, talks about my walk with Christ. I'm strong in my walk, I'm progressing in my walk, or I'm struggling in my walk. Where are you with your walk with Christ? Then the third one says, I'm satisfied with my involvement I'm not satisfied, I'm unsatisfied, or I'm neutral with my involvement in the church community. I, am I involved in small groups? Am I involved in serving? Am I around people in my church? Do I have good, godly people from my church that I'm involved with? And then the last question asked, what next steps would you be interested in? I want to become a Christian, become a member. I want to serve in a ministry. I want to join a small group like to take a class to learn more about my Christian faith. You can check as many of those as you want. But I want you to think about this. Friday night, 
We had about 85 people take it. This morning we had a bunch take it. I read the ones from Friday night. People were very honest. Some people are really struggling in their walk with Christ. Some people are really having a hard time. Some people aren't fellowshipping with anybody. They're not having any fellowship with believers. You need believers. Maybe you need to get involved and join a group. Maybe you need to serve in a ministry. You need people around you that can encourage you. Sometimes it's that one smile that you can get from somebody that'll lift you for that week. That one encouragement, that encouraging word, that prayer that you can get. The presence of God. I don't know about you this morning, by the time the choir got done, I was ready to run through the whole week. I was so stirred up. But it, 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 there's something that stirs your spirit. And it fuels you and it gives you life. And that's what we're talking about, being alive. Where are you? Are you alive in Christ? Where are you in Christ? Where are you in your walk with Christ? In a minute, we're going to take communion together. But before we do that, I want to bring one more part of the story together. And if you're at home, there's elements. You can just grab some bread and water or something like that. Whatever you can grab is fine. It's not the elements that are important. It's the act. It's the participation and, and how you receive it. But in Mark chapter 14, we go back to where Jesus was in the garden. He was standing with his disciples. His disciples... Three of them and Jesus went off to pray. And when they went off to pray, in verse 34, Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 14. He said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, this awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Abba, Father, Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus was crushed with grief, with agony. Why? Not because of anything he did. Jesus was sinless. Jesus committed no crime. But Jesus was crushed with our sins. Bible says he carried our sins. He was looking at our sins. Every sin you and I've had in our life, Jesus was grabbing a hold of that and taking that to the cross with him. Paying a price for your salvation, for my salvation. The weight of this was overwhelming. He was going to pay the price for the sins of mankind, of mankind. The suffering he was going to have to go through, being beaten, being tortured, being taken up this hill and placed on a cross, unjustly, unfairly. But the truth is, that's supposed to be us. Truthfully, that should be us. We should be the ones, if we want to receive forgiveness, if we want to go to heaven, we should be the ones paying for our sins. But Jesus said, I will take their punishment. I will take their pain because I love them, because I love you, because I care for you, because you are so valuable to me. I don't know what you think about yourself. Some people don't see themselves as valuable. Some people look in the mirror and think they're worthless. But Jesus thinks you're amazing. Jesus thinks you're worth dying for. Jesus thinks you are worth everything to him. He gave up his life for you and I so that we could be set free, not only from sin, but from sickness, disease, torment, anxiety, fear, depression, all those are demonic spirits that have to go. 
I don't have to accept those. But I have to accept Jesus in order to have power to tell those things to go. And Jesus wants to be your Lord and Savior. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you can ask him into your life. Bow your heads with me if you would. I want to give a call for those who don't know Jesus Christ. He loves you a lot today. He was willing to give his life for you. I've heard some people say to me, well, pastor, you don't know the sins I've committed. I don't, but he does. And he still is willing to give his life for you. There's no sin that is outside of the forgiveness of Jesus. But there's something you have to do. And the Bible says that you have to repent of your sins. Ask forgiveness. He will forgive you of your sins. Cleanse you of your unrighteousness. And heal you. And so there's a, there's a part that you have to commit to. You're not just making Jesus your Savior. You're making Jesus your Lord. That's a big difference. It's one thing to accept Jesus as Savior. Well, yeah, I want Jesus to be save me of my sins. But to make him the Lord of your life means you're going to serve him every day of your life. Yeah, you have days where you struggle. The disciples did too. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to help you. It says that the Holy Spirit comes and helps us. And so you need the Holy Spirit. But the first step is Jesus. And I want to give you a chance. If you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, Will you slip up your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm looking around. I see some hands going up. If that's you, you say, I know, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life this morning. We had some in the first service this morning gave their life to Christ. Maybe today's the day you need to say, I'm shunning. You don't have to be perfect. You have to be willing. You have to want Jesus. You have to be willing to walk away from your old life. If that's you online, you can raise your hand. You can text for prayer. You can say, I need prayer. I need someone to pray with me. If you're in this room, I want you to make a bold statement. And I want you, if you would, just come down to the front, to the altar. Say, Pastor, I heard you. I want you to come down to the front. And I want you to make that, call. I want you to make that decision. Are you willing to stand for Jesus? They all deserted him. The disciples deserted him. They needed that encounter again. Maybe you need that encounter this morning. And you need somebody to stand with you and encourage you. I'm going to stand with you. If you feel to make this decision, I want you to come forward. All of our altar workers, we wear masks at the altar. You're welcome to. Come on. Go ahead and sing that song. Just you feel to come, just come on forward. Who else? Just stand right here, face me. Who else? You feel to come, come on. Anybody else? You feel like you want to give your life to Christ. You want to give your life to Christ. That's it, come on. In the balcony, if that's you, just come on down. Jesus loves you today. So you he loves you this morning. Anybody else? Inside. You thought I was to die for. Come on, just sing the song. So you sacrifice your life so, so I can be free, so I can be whole, so I can tell everyone I know. Come on, I'll just give you another you minute. I was Come on. Saving. You came and changed my life okay, You thought you. I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So Anybody you else? sacrificed your life So I could be free So I could be whole So I could tell everyone One more time. I know thought I was worth saving. That's it, come on. So you Anybody came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you a lot. Jesus thinks great about you this morning. I don't know what you think about yourself, but I'm here to tell you Jesus thinks you're special, you're awesome, you're wonderful. He did this all for you this morning. And he wants to come and set you free. And so I want you to repeat after me. Congregation, you can join with us. Just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I choose today to serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God this morning. Online, welcome to the family of God. I'm going to ask my leaders just to take a minute with you. I want, to, I want to have your name so I can pray with you and pray for you. I'm going to ask my leaders just to take you over to the sides and just spend a minute. And we're going to prepare ourselves for communion. But just give us a minute. We just need to get some information. Just one minute. It'll be quick. It'll be quick. Come on, let's sing that again. Online, you can text in. We want to make sure that you are able to join with us. Go ahead. You Come on, just sing that with us. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. sing that just prepare yourself that's it as we prepare for communion this morning just get your mind on the Lord today for communion today there's elements if you don't have them the ushers can hand them to you you can join with us if you know Jesus it's we start with the bread this represents the bread so father we say thank you thank you you are the bread of life 
thank you for your crucifixion. Thank you for giving your life, Jesus. Thank you for your resurrection. And not only is that resurrection life in you, but it's in us. And I receive that life into my spirit this morning. I receive your resurrection. I declare today I'm alive because of you. I'm alive because of you. And I receive the life that you have for me now as we partake together. In Jesus' name, let's partake. And Father, we thank you for the cup. The Bible says the cup represents the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ covers every sin. The blood of Christ is for healings, deliverance. So Father, we receive salvation. We receive healing today. We thank you by your stripes. We have been made whole. We are healed. We thank you. Anxiety goes. Fear goes. Torment goes. Depression goes. Father, we declare 2020 just goes. And Father, we declare we have a new life in you this year. We have a new life in you. New relationships are going to form. New beginnings are going to take place. Lord, we thank you. There is life in you. And because we are in your body and because we are part of you, that you're restoring everything in us. Healings, deliverance, salvation is our portion as we partake in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give the Lord praise. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.